Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. do better. Come on. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, O Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. It's good to be among the living. Hard to live among the dead. Thank God we're not there no more. So we've been dealing with uh, the obstacles of kingdom building. And so far we covered, learn to listen to your pastor, learn to fellowship, and learn to keep your conscience well. Otherwise, we go pretty crazy. Can you say amen? Amen. So today I'm just going to minister a little bit on the cure for confusion, the cure for confusion. Just to think that my steak is out there waiting for me. (laughs) I think my cure is there already. So God is good. So I think one of the things that really, uh, that we have to learn, and I started thinking about this while I was praying, we sometimes don't know who we really are in Christ. The other thing is that sometimes God speaks to us and we don't even know that he did speak to us until we try it out. And then we start learning that God is speaking to you. And I think uh, the majority of stuff that goes on with us is, is a bunch of emotions. You're an emo, full of emotions, emotions. Have you ever hurt yourself how ugly you sound when you respond to your emotions? You get a phone call and all of a sudden that phone call is bad news and your whole blood system just drops to your feet and all of a sudden you, you tell your neighbor or you tell your wife this is a bad phone call and, and it seems like your whole body drains and if you don't pay attention you can go into a dump of negative things but when you're a believer you can go and say to your wife or say to your partners let's go pray Let's believe God that God's going to change all this. So we have to learn not to follow our feelings. Feelings. How many have feelings here? How many have had some weird feelings? How many have gotten so mad over some little thing that you did crazy things just over that tiny little obstacle and you found out that you thought you had it under control but then you find out that you didn't that the feeling had you under control instead of Christ having you in control so so the cure for confusion 
things to avoid. Number one, don't trust your feelings. Number two, do not trust your emotions. And number three, do not trust your discouragements. And number four, do not let intimidation put you down. Intimidation. So these are four little things, but they're so powerful. They're so powerful to bring your flesh under the authority of Christ and keep it under subjection is a full-time job. Especially when you're not, you're not, you're, you think you're not going to face anything and all of a sudden somebody just comes in fast in front of you while you're driving and then they flip you off. And then all of a sudden your, your flesh like, who do they think they are? And then you say the magic word, they're stupid, you know. And then you start, you start creating this atmosphere when actually you should have said, you know what? Thank God that God did not allow me to get hurt. Thank God that they didn't hit me. So I can live with that and I can just give God the praise. So. <clears throat> this is what we say all the time when things go wrong. Well, this is just how I feel. And we start taking it to the next level. And you start using your own intelligence for your own sign. The sign is do whatever you feel. Because all of a sudden your intellect is at work. And you think you could take care of things. The pilots, when you study the pilots, especially the ones that are flying the big jets, and man, they're, they're amazing men, but they get trained. And one of the areas that they get trained is, is uh, in vertigo. And what that means is that they, when they're going through some tough clouds and they're dark and ugly, and when they're going through a big storm, they teach them not to pay attention to their feelings. They teach them to pay attention to the instruments that they placed in front of them and not pay attention to themselves. Because within themselves, they could deceive and hurt many in the plane, so they learn how to pay attention to their instruments. How many here have ever been in bad flights? I've been in some bad ones, flying to Israel. I remember when we were going over the Greek islands and the Greek place, and all of a sudden the plane started dropping. And it dropped like this, I mean, fast. We were going fast, and then the mask came out. And, and uh, I looked at Stella, I said, well, I, I think this is it, Stella. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> because we were going down fast, and everybody put on their mask, we put on our mask, and we were caving in, I mean, going fast. And then all of a sudden, they picked it up. And when they picked it up, everybody threw their mask off, and some people started throwing up because it was going down and going up like a mean roller coaster. And we said, well, what happened? How come they did that? And later on, when we were a little calm, they said, uh, sorry, we were dodging some kind of uh, weapon or some kind of uh, rocket that was going to head our way. And I told Stella, I'll never get in a plane again. <laughs> <laughs> but I forgot that I was on uh, the other side of the, <laughs> way on the other side of the world. And I found out that 
I asked, well, how much does it cost to go from a, a cruiser all the way into California? And how long is it going to take? And they told me the price. I don't remember the price. But it was going to take me three months to get on a boat and get home. <laughs> so I had to, I told Stella, I got to humble myself. We're flying. <laughs> but my flesh, the way my flesh felt, nervous, tripping, that something bad was going to happen. Sometimes things in our brain we can explode different ideas of what's going to take place with our lives. And God brought us back safely. But man, that was an experience of feelings and deception. See, sometimes you, you think you know it all and you know nothing. That's the baby saying amen. <laughs> you know. And one of the things that you have to learn is that if you have a wife, you see, that's another amen. They know I'm getting close. <laughs> and if you have a wife, if the wife triggers you off, you can start an argument that'll last for a day or two. Just because you allowed those little words to mess you up. What happens is that you're not paying attention to the Bible you're not living the Bible because you're growing in the Bible, but you're not, you haven't had your emotions in check. In check. So you got to have your emotions in check because your emotions will play feelings. And not only that, the imaginations that come to you. You know, I remember Stella, Stella was an amazing lady, but I remember she wearing mini skirts. I told her, hey, you, we got saved, sister. And she told me, you know, she wasn't too sanctified. She said, well, I've been like this all the time. I said, well, it's not about you, sister, no more. It's about other people now. I don't care what they think. Now, that's how, you know, fleshly she was. Of course, I was a saint. <laughs> and I, I, I tell her, well, if you want to look hot for me, do it at home. But I don't want to walk with you getting all the attention. Because then we're going to have a bad time. So what I had to do is train her. Then she went to an extreme to wear skirts all the way down. I said, man. <laughs> so what I'm teaching you is we can go to extremes because of our imaginations. And I said, sister, you know, the, the, she said, but I made this. I, I, I corrected her. She said, told me these words. I made this dress. Well, I think that dress is beautiful. But we're not hippies no more. Hallelujah. <laughs> not to put some humor on there. But then the balance came. Where a lady can look pretty. Come on, ladies. Where a lady can look pretty. And not, and not stumble people. Because now you're living for Christ, not living for yourself no more. So you're conscious of everybody else. So you're not allowing your feelings to dictate to you to follow the ways of the world. So you're going to have to come to a place that you, you understand that, you know. Yeah. I used to have a 56 Chevy. I love that 56 Chevy. Beautiful 56 Chevy. 
It was like a nice beige and copper color. And still, I used to cruise in that. Three stick, you know, on the top. And I was young, was in my 20s. I paid that car off and it was beautiful. I analyzed that car, I loved that car. Stella says, you love that car more than I do. No, I don't, I just use it to take you out. <laughs> and lo and behold, I think I did love that car more. <laughs> because when they stole it, the Lord took it away from me. So I wouldn't be idolizing that car. Sometimes you lose things because God knows that they're bad for you and that you don't have the, the training in your flesh to keep it without getting big-headed. Because some of us look like E.T. when we come to the church. <laughs> I have to make a special door for you because you're very special. <laughs> so there's nothing more miserable than to pay attention to your feelings because your feelings and your imagination, you start tripping. And when you start tripping, you start saying all the nonsense that doesn't belong in your lips. Instead of having life, you have death. I want life, life. Like if you had your husband tell, tell your husband, man, you're looking good. You're, man, you're looking, you're, uh, you're an amazing man. And guess what you do to us? You blow us up in our ego. And we, want, and we want to do it better than what we did it then. Because that's what we're designed with. And the women, at the same time, you got to treat them good. Give them compliments. Because it's all about getting into the Word of God and training our feelings to deal with the Word of God and to bring that Word in us to control our flesh. But a lot of it has to do with words. That's getting holy in this place. Yeah. If your husband doesn't have hair, tell him, man, you look good with that hair, even though he's baldy. <laughs> or that's a good-looking, baldy man that I have. Huh? <laughs> Nothing wrong with losing hair. All of us here are losing hair. I can see some of you, you had a lot of hair, now you have a big old forehead just like I do. <laughs> Then you think you're all sexy now, but your chest just dropped down to your stomach. <laughs> so why do I say all that? I say because we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's the scripture that runs here in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 7. Verse 7. And if you put this in your brain, we walk by faith and not by sight. Not by sight. So you're constantly correcting yourself. I am walking by faith. So doubt is coming into me. Fear is coming into me. Uh, I'm not going to be able to succeed. I'm not going to be able to accomplish. No, I walk by faith. And I'm believing God's going to take every footstep that I make. And he's going to point me in the right direction. And I know that he's going to open up the right doors for me. Because I am walking by faith. I am believing in Christ Jesus. So God is going to do what he's going to do. Even if it's slow. But I know that it's coming. But I'm not anxious if it doesn't come right away. I just am walking by faith and not by my senses. Not by what I see. 
You're sitting down in a nice church right now. We've never seen this church before. Right? Never in our right minds do we think we were going to be here. We were over there in Buena Park, and they were all demon possessed. I mean, they were all, you know, crazy people. We couldn't do anything there without having the cops there. Remember that? We couldn't have picnics. We couldn't do it. We couldn't make a lot of noise, and they would call the cops. And now we're here, hallelujah, by faith, we're here. <clears throat> and the beauty of it is we have our own park, and today we're having a picnic, and we're going to eat, and just, we don't have to, we're not bothering nobody. As a matter of fact, thank God all these neighbors, they really love us. A lot of compliments. But what? We didn't get here by our own. We got here by faith. Not by sight. Now we can see the sight, but we didn't see it. We see we were just following God, and he was doing what he going, was going to do. So anytime you say, well, Pastor Ruben, I just don't feel good, so I'm going to stay home. Well, if you're sick, please stay home. But if it's just feelings, nothing but feelings, then the enemy's already playing with you to make you stay home. And when you stay home relaxing, you do nothing spiritually in the church. At least you're hearing the word. At least you're praising God. At least you're in the atmosphere that God's place. And you're here because you love God with all your heart, regardless of how you feel. Some people say, well, you know, I just don't want to go to church because I don't want to face the pastor. Hello, operator. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we go to the doctor? Because sometimes we're sick. And the doctor could only, he's the only one that could pinpoint what is wrong with us, and he tells us what's going on with us. So he gives us the proper medication. So we don't hide from the doctor. Why should we hide from the man of God? We're not perfect. If you tell me that you're going through something, I'll start laughing because I'm probably going through the same thing you are. And you think that Pastor Reuben and Danny and Anthony and Reuben and all these people that they're supermen. They're not, we're not. We're not. Believe me, we're not. But we have practiced to stay in the will of God, to fight for the will of God, and to tell our flesh, no, no, you're not going to have your way in my life. So we got to destroy patterns. Physical patterns we have to destroy. Sometimes we just have to look at our reference points all the time. Look in our reference one. You see me here, I, I'm constantly smiling, you know. But be, before I get to this pulpit, I go through hell. Everything happens to me. I get headaches, my muscles hurt, I can't walk sometimes. Says so you're getting older, you, you need baby shoes, you know. <laughs> All, the, all this crazy stuff that happens before we ever hit the pulpit. Then we hit it, and then we get more crazy because then God takes over, and time goes by so fast. I'm going, wow. All that for 35 minutes, 40 minutes, all that, all that torment just to deliver a message, just to fight over my feelings. And I always get stubborn. I'm a stubborn man. When the devil tells me no, I say yes. Anytime he says no, oh yes, I am. I'm going to do it regardless of how I feel, I'm going to do it. So I've learned to get rid of stupid. 
Because some of you are always sipping on stupid. What's your name, stupid? Why are you going through that? Because I'm stupid. Why are you so emotional? Because I'm stupid. Yeah. Why? Because we have all the reference points, but we don't like to see the reference points that are doing good and a pattern in ourselves after men. And then after that, God takes over. Because then you're fully mature for God to take over and do what he's going to do. And we understand that you're going to stumble. We understand that you're going to have a hard time. But we're here to pick you up and repair you and tell you, hey, I've been through that. I'm flowing through that. I'm walking. I'm growing. And I'm going to keep on growing until I die, until I graduate. Then we grow fully. And heaven knows what that looks like over there on the other side. So what's the number one thing that you're going to have to fight is your emotions, is all the discouragement, but most of all, your isolation. Because all of us, at one time or another, we always like to hide from people. We like to hide from it. Just, oh, I don't want them to know too much about me because, you know, I'm a rotten person. Hey, welcome to the church. Everybody has got their issues. Welcome to the church. you got to learn how to come to church and say, I don't care. I'm not going to isolate myself. I'm going to come and see my brothers, my sister. I'm going to have a good time with them. I'm just going to lift up my hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. I made it. I might not be perfect, but I'm not going to isolate myself and do my secret stuff out there. Isolate. Tell your neighbor, stop isolating. Yeah. Because when you isolate, the enemy has strategies against you. Always. And one of the strategies is once you're hanging around by yourself, here's the thing that he hits you with the most. You need to pull back and to relax and just take it easy. I understand those times, but every single day, not every single day. I know people get tired, but not every single day. Once the enemy begins to focus on you, he wants to take you back. All the steps that you took forward, you're going backwards. You're going backwards. Instead of going forward, you start going backwards and you say, man, I'm losing ground here. Yeah, you're losing ground because you isolated yourself and the enemy just, just hit you to take you back, not to bring you forward. I love this scripture in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to this. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not despair. In despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. These are powerful statements. In other words, he says, as we're going forward, we're getting hit, we're getting hit, we're getting hit. But hey, in the middle of all that, we bounce back up and we keep moving forward. Why? Because we're in the middle of a battle. I will not allow myself to be isolated. I will move forward. Can somebody say amen to that? You cannot go backwards. You cannot go backwards. In the, in the book of uh, <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 22 and 27, 
Let me just lay out what happened here. Naaman had just come to Elisha, and he had leprosy all over his body. All, all leprosy on his body. But he had a servant there, and the servant uh, had intentions, even though he was hanging around with a man of God, he had bad intentions. His bad, once he seen that this man was so rich, he looked at the riches instead of the man. When Elisha told him, I want you to go and dive in because you got leprosy. Go to the Jordan and dive in seven times. And the king was so arrogant that he fought him. But he went there and started dipping himself seven times. He says, when you dip the seven times, you're going to come out completely clean. And then he dipped himself the seven times and he looked at himself and all the leprosy was gone. His skin was like baby skin. But guess what? The assistant of Elisha had a different attitude towards that king. His name was Gimme. That's what I put on his, and his, uh, you know. And I'm going to turn there. Is it up there? No, it's not up there. Hallelujah. Who's doing my notes here? Second Kings chapter 5, verse 25, 26 and 27. Okay. Okay, here we go. I was about to get in the flesh. I said, no. <laughs> I just lived my sermon. Hallelujah. Okay. Can you see it, church? Are you ready to read it? Come on. And he said unto him. No, forget it. When... We're going to start all over again because... I feel like I got an F troop with me. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee, when the man turned again? Is it a time? What's the next verse? One more time. No, 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 no. Okay, in step. Okay, here we go. Practice the leprosy. No, 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 no. One more time. One, two, three. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from the presence of with white as snow. Do you notice how you are? That's why I always say, don't spook the sheep, because man, they spook for everything. Boop. So here's a man, he was working for Elisha. You could be working for a man of God and have a different heart. Yeah. Elisha didn't want no money. He just wanted the man to be completely healed. But he had a different heart. 
He wanted all the goods, and Elisha told him, do not go up to that man. Do not ask him for anything. But when he saw the opportunity, he went and asked him for the money, for the sheep, and everything. And he thought he was going to get away. He says, didn't my heart go with you? I saw everything that you did. And the leprosy that came on Naaman is the leprosy that you're going to have all over you. So be careful that you don't have an emotional breakdown called greed. Where you become so greedy and so envious of the man of God that you think that you could do it your way. You, it won't work. God has his own way of doing things. Never can you do it on your own. It won't work. Believe me, I've tried and it doesn't work that way. I finally said, I'm going to get into prayer. Believe God, fast and pray, and just keep a good attitude, good principles, good things in my life, nothing bad, nothing evil, everything honest. When that happens, God begins to bless you so much because now you don't, you're not a schemer. He can trust you with everything he's got. With everything he's got, he can trust you. Some people look at me and say, well, well, I know you did this, that way. Listen, I haven't done nothing. God did it all. All I did was sign a paper. That's about it. That's all I did. But notice, do not turn back. Do not kick back. Matter of fact, as you get stronger, you get into the things of God more than ever. You get into it regardless of what's going on. Get into it. Don't stay home. Why do I stay praying all the time? Why am I on my knees all the time? Because I know the minute I slack, I am not going to see what God wants me to see. But the minute I keep the church moving and praying, that's when God begins to move on all the people and God starts doing things. Why? Because I am the point of reference that starts the revival and clicks it up. I'm not God. I am just a simple man that says, I'm going to keep my principles together to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And then we all benefit. Can you imagine me, one man, and have everybody doing the same thing? Can you imagine what's going to happen to us? All of heaven's going to open up and pour out blessings like we've never seen them in our entire life. But we have to be persistent and not pull back. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Hebrews 10, verse 38. Hebrews 10, verse 38. I'm practicing patience now. I'm illustrating. There it is. Come on, one. Uh, now, slow down. I'm gonna count to three, okay? Let's get it in sync. One, two, three. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. No pleasure in him because you drew your soul. That's why God gives us a free will. I can't push you. But if you push yourself to do God's will, God said, I'll reward you for that. But if you pull back, I'll have no pleasure with you. No pleasure. I don't want to see God being disappointed with me. I want to see God do what he says he's going to do. 
Remember David? The Bible says that when David was supposed to go to war, he stood back. He stood back. And the Bible says that he stood back and while he was there in his castle, Bathsheba was there taking a shower. And all of a sudden, he, because he pulled back, he fell into temptation. You cannot afford to push back and fall into temptation. You've got to be where God wants you to be so that you can accomplish what he needs to accomplish. He lost a lot. He lost his sons. He, sons betrayed him. All kinds of weird things happened just because he wasn't fighting in the battlefield. So when your flesh tells you, I, today's your day off, because your flesh will speak to you. You're so comfortable in this fluffy pillow. And it is so cold out there. And look at you with that big old blanket over you. It's so comfortable. Why should you go to church? You work so hard, my little tiburon. <laughs> and God said, I want you to get up and you do what's supposed to be done. But the sheets are so comfortable. Then you got to say, flesh, it's not even the devil, it's you. Flesh, flesh, get up in the name of Jesus. You're going to go to church whether you like it or not. You're going to go to church and hear the word of God and get sanctified because I'm not going to lose what you gave me. I can understand if you're sick. I can understand all those things. But when you turn back, that's when everything goes bad. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms, chapter, chapter 126, 126, verse 5, 5, and 6. Now, how many here have ever cried so much that you stopped crying? You got tired of crying? Sometimes we go through battles where we cry. We're broken. Now, listen to this. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Did you hear that? You're weeping. You're crying before God. Lord, when are you going to do what you said you were going to do? All I'm seeing is negative things. All I'm going through is nothing but tears. And these are what these people were doing. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Your joy is coming. Your joy is coming, but it's costing you some tears. It's costing you some brokenness inside. It's costing you. And listen to this. And he that goeth forth weeping, bringing forth his seed, precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Bringing his seeds in a basket. Nothing was in vain. Nothing was in vain. While you were crying, while you were broken, while you were praying and putting out your soul, and constantly, he says, I'm preparing a basket of seeds for you. Those seeds are going to bring exactly what your family needs. Exactly what your family needs. That's why in the Ecclesiastes it says, take, take your seeds and scatter it seven ways. And what they were referring to through the seven ways was merchant, mercenaries that used to take their ships, they would get the seed, and every seven, all the seven ships would take some of it, and they would return 
Whenever it was time to return, they would bring back their, their seed that produced everything that they said it would be, and they would bring back money into them. That's why the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters, for it shall return unto you. If you cast it seven ways, it will surely come to you seven ways. And even if you're weeping and you think nothing is happening, let me tell you something. Something beautiful is about to take place while you were crying, while you were weeping, while you were interceding, while you were broken. God said, I'm at work for you. And I know that that's the only way I can use you. There are seasons in life. And I've, I've been here praying there are seasons in life when you're all broken up. You don't even know why you're crying. You don't even know what's going in your life. All I know is that every time I'm done, something good always happens. Something good always happens. But if you don't pray, you'll stray. You'll stray away. But when you're praying, you're constantly in tune with God and there is peace there regardless of how bad things are because there you are broken and then God says, I'm going to reward your obedience. I'm going to bless you because you are not pulling back. Tell your neighbor, don't pull back, neighbor. Come on, say it a little louder. Don't pull back. One more time, don't pull back, neighbor. Your blessing, come on, your blessing is around the corner. Don't pull back. Don't pull back. <clears throat> Look at Abraham and Sarah. God promised, I'm going to give you a baby. They waited until Sarah was 90 and he was 100 years old. They didn't pull back. They believed God. That was his promise. One day they woke up and Mr. Abraham said, there's revival in their house. <laughs> and Sarah probably looked at him and said, Ooh, what's up with you? And there came the baby, the promise. But they waited till they were 90 and 100 years old to bring about a promise. They didn't pull back. They didn't pull back. Because when you pull back is when you lose what's around the corner. Do not pull back. Tell your neighbor again, do not pull back, neighbor. Okay, can I be honest with you? I want to be honest with you because I'm always honest with you either way. I'm coming, Philip, I'm coming. <clears throat> At my age now, it's weird. It's weird. The only thing that's keeping me alive is my prayer life. And I want you to remember this. I always tell the Lord, I never want to go to a doctor. I don't like doctors. You're my doctor. If you're going to take me, take me in my sleep. I ain't going to die yet, okay? <laughs> Let me get that straight, okay? But in my body, everything goes wrong. 
Everything goes wrong. But in prayer, everything goes right. And as long as I don't pull back, he keeps going and going and going and going. So, so let me say this. I am not pulling back. You know me, I'm stubborn as a mule. I am not pulling back. I talked to this Texan, I said, hey, do you like a horse better than a mule? He said, no, I like a mule better. I said, why? They're so ugly. He says, because they know that when they, I put their load on them and I go up a mountain, they know how to shift their whole body to take that load with them all the way to the top. A horse, you put the, the stuff on him, he, he'll break his back up the hill. So I said, wow, I didn't know that. So I think we need to be stubborn like Jacob. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I am not going to let you go until you bless me. Somewhere in you, you're going to have to make a choice. I am not going to let you go until you bless me. I remember Stella, I was in the home, and man, Stella was hunting me down. I don't know if I've told you this before, but she hunted me down. She found me, I was in church. She walked in, she, she told the, the home director, can I sit with him? He says, yeah, go ahead and sit with him. And man, she started nagging me, nagging me that I was a hypocrite, that I was an idiot. That I had no responsibility because I didn't have a job and that I was hiding in the home just to hide in the home. And all this stuff. And I, I felt like giving her a right hook. She got me so mad I wanted to knock her out, honestly. And I know it's funny, but that's what happened. Finally, I just lifted up my hands and said, Lord God, please, would you kindly put a wall between this lady and me? Because She's bothering me. And she's making me look like a fool and I'm about to hit her. And all of a sudden I felt this wall there, a spiritual wall, and I could hear like a little mouse. Quick, 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 quick. I said, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Do you know that? That was the most, that was my first miracle. That, that was my first miracle. And then she would tell me, why don't you get mad? Why don't you get mad? Why don't you get, follow me? And I said, I'm in love with Jesus. You can do whatever you want to do. I am not going with you. I already tried that. It's over. It's over. And I, I, I was young. I was a good looking stud. I could, I could prove it to you. With just pictures now. <laughs> I could have done whatever I wanted to do at that age of 20s. But I decided I'm going to follow Jesus with everything I got. And everything I got. Let me just lay this on you. I have not, I, my mind gets blown where every time I walk into somewhere, I know somebody. And they tell me, thank you, Pastor, for being for, there for us. I got saved under your ministry. I got this. And I'm going like, what? I just had a couple the other day made me cry in my office. 
I'm into problems, you know. But this couple sat down and told me, we've been here with you for nine years. All our kids are doing good. I, I want to tell you, Pastor, thank you. And they made me cry. They literally made me cry because I didn't know their testimony. I didn't know their testimony. I felt like somebody just poured a bucket of water on me and gave me a shower. And I said, wow, how good it is to have good news to tell you that God is blessing people. Just bless me. But I, I got to tell you this. When everything's okay, I kind of get bothered. And I'm constantly looking around me like, well, where is it going to come from this time? But thank God for those good times where we can weep, cry, and God's bringing in our seed. I got news for all of you. God's about to do something brand new in your life. Your kids are going to come back, and they're going to come back humble. And you're going to see them, and you're going to say, oh, my God, thank you that I've been standing up for them. Are you ready for that? And for those that can't have babies, get ready to have a baby. I just said it. Make sure you're married, okay? So don't take it. I already know our people. Make sure you're married. Stand to your feet, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't pull back. Come on, lift up your hands with you. Say it out loud with me. Say, Jesus, I just thank you for being patient with me, for allowing me to grow, and for showing me your ways. I am learning step by step. Give me patience so that I can see the blessing of the Lord upon my life. Devil, I rebuke you from my harvest field. This is my field, and this is where my fruit is going to grow. In the name of Jesus, I take everything, Lord, every promise that you have, I make it personal for my own life. And right now, I speak life upon myself. In the name of Jesus, I shall live and not die. Come on, I shall live and not die, says the Lord. Now give the Lord a clap up and thank Him. Hallelujah.